0: La, la bonjour all you gardening cats and gators welcome to the july 27th show and uh hey i even got a little rain last night not enough to even put a drop in the rain gauge though too bad <laughs> but hey it's been it, we're starting to get summer and that's exciting as can be hey, I have a great guest today And uh, we're going to talk about something so important. And I talked about it a little already on the show, but we're going to do it again. So in just a minute, I'll introduce her. Uh, Right now, I want to make a few announcements. And uh, I want to say hi to everyone. I saw the Fergus Garrett talk over at the Bellevue Botanical Garden. Holy cats, was that a great talk. So he is the head gardener. At uh, Great Dixter, a really, really famous uh, garden uh, over in uh, England, in Sussex, England. So, and I've been there a few times. I love that garden. And, uh, but what he said that was so interesting is that, you know, they stopped spraying there about eight years ago. And, you know, we stopped spraying at Seattle U a long, long, long time ago when I very first started directing the grounds care there and uh what they found they've had they had an audit done of insects and birds and all the things that visit the garden and the numbers of insects that a beautiful garden can attract and the number of birds is out of this world so i'm not saying you shouldn't have a native garden but they're starting to find out that uh really beautiful ornamental gardens where you're Gardening very ecologically and organically are attracting a lot more insects and birds and other wildlife than native gardens are. So, hey, we can all have spectacular gardens and still be doing really a lot of good for the environment. So, ooh, did I love that talk? Because <laughs> we had a most unbelievable uh life of insects and birds at Seattle U and they still do because they still garden without using sprays there, which I think is just so great. So anyway, I just wanted to, and I talked to so many people, so it was wonderful seeing everyone, including Fergus, of course. And uh, he led the very first tour. Uh, The first time I ever went to England with a group of people, uh, he led us through the garden, and boy, did he do a great job. So, hey, also, I want to say hi to everyone I saw at the big uh, send-off for John Watt. So Dr. John Watt was a director for the Arboretum. He was a professor at Utah. He helped develop uh, the Center for Urban Horticulture, and he just recently won the American Horticultural Society's top award. I mean, this guy is just amazing, and uh, but he's moving back to Indiana, so uh, they had a really big goodbye party for him, and uh, I was one of the lucky people that get to talk, so I got to skewer him a little. That was a lot of fun, because. <laughs> He and I, we each won an award from the Washington State Nursery and Landscape Association. We were sitting together at this thing, and uh, his award was like three times bigger than mine. It had this really cool shovel on it, so I kept trying to switch our awards when he wasn't looking. He can slap a hand really hard. That's all I know. <laughs> so, uh I hope I hope he does great, but I'm gonna miss him. He's always at, oh, at all the events and every you know he comes to the flower and garden show every year. I told him he's got to come back for a, a preview party for the flower and garden show, so I bet he will. So, uh, okay, so um, let's see. I think that's all the, the announce. Oh, there's a really big one I wanted to do. And That's on Tuesday, August sixth. I'm the speaker at the Bellevue Botanical Garden annual Trillium Lecture. So, usually, they get someone really good to do this. I don't know how they decided to have me do it. <laughs> but, hey, this is a members only event. So, you can attend. It only costs five bucks to come, but you have to join the BBG, which will cost you a little more than that, but you will love it if you do. 'Cause they have great talks, all kinds of events out there. I love it. So uh and what I'm gonna be doing, I'm gonna be talking about my favorite, oh la la plants. And uh throughout my presentation, I'm gonna give away a lot of my favorite plants. So they gave me a few bucks to go have fun and buy some. So this is gonna be a really, really fun talk, I think. <laughs> and you know you're going to have to solve my tough, tough Cisco Garden Stumper questions to win one of these plants, which is pretty tough. Okay, so that is uh, that is August 6th. I think that, yeah, the door's open for refreshments and wine. I'm pretty positive there's wine. There better be, because otherwise people aren't going to laugh at my stories near as much. So it opens at 6. This will be at the BBG over in Bellevue. And then my lecture starts at 7. So the only problem is they can never get me off the stage. (laughs) That's the way life goes. Hey, I'm also going to be at the Grange in Issaquah. I love that talk. That's August 10th at 2 p.m. So that's next Saturday, I guess, or one of these Saturdays coming right up. So, okay, that's going to be fun. But right now, I want to talk to Cindy Krueger. And she is the Ballard Peapatch Patch Leadership Chair. Hey, Cindy, how are you? Hey, Cisco, I'm great. Hey, it's great talking to you. And, uh, you know, uh, you got a big event coming up here at the, uh, the Ballard Pea Patch, huh? We sure do.
1: A uh, week from today, August 3rd, next Saturday from 10 to 5 going to be our 18th annual Art in the Garden Community Festival. Eighteen. It is 18 years. Isn't oh, that unbelievable? That is it's unbelievable. It's all volunteer run, volunteer managed, and uh, it's right at the Ballard Tea Patch. So 85th and 25th, there's free parking in the Our Redeemer's uh, parking lot, and it's just a blast. We're there from 10 till 5, and we've got... About 15 artists and craftspeople will be there selling their wares. They donate some of their art, and we do a dollar raffle, so you can kind of pick out an art piece that you like and drop some raffle tickets in a box. we got kids' activities for the whole family. Uh, Sweet alchemy ice cream, they won some awards this year for their ice cream, is going to be there. (laughs) we got a wine grab, we've got bake sale, and uh, our ever-famous Beer garden with uh, Maritime Pacific brews and Bavarian meat bratwurst.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what—you guys in Ballard know how to throw a party.
1: <laughs> we know how to throw a party. We sure do. Oh are
0: Looking man. forward
1: to seeing all of our gardener friends and neighbors and the whole community turn out for this.
0: This is going to be great. Now, when we I, we got to take a quick break. I'm sorry that I put you on so late, but. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about why it's so important that people come to this and uh, what's going on at the Ballard Pea Patch that people need to know about. We've I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but now people can actually do something to help with this problem. So That's right. All right, I'm going to be back with Cindy Krueger in just a few minutes. We'll give you a few messages, and then... Uh, We'll chat some more about the Ballard pea patch and how you can help save it on 97.3 Cairo FM. Right back. This is Gardening with Cisco
1: on the all new Cairo Radio Weekends. Brought to you by PacificTopSoil.com and Molebacks in Woodenville. Ooh la la. Here's Cisco.
0: Well, hey, let's talk to Cindy Kruger some more about the Ballard Pea Patch. Now, Cindy, I had uh, I had Eric Totterud on the show from Grow, and we talked a little bit about the Ballard Pea Patch, but I'm not sure everybody listening knows about this. Why don't you let us know what's going on over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I heard that program with Eric, and thank you for talking a little bit about the garden. Um, you know, the Ballard Pea Patch is and Historic Garden, it was one of the very first sea patches in the whole system, founded in 1976, and we, uh, we host about 90 families who garden there, as well as the whole community that comes and, you know, walks the dog and takes pictures and brings the daycare through and the Cub Scouts and the Girl Scouts, and we've been hosted on that land, which belongs to our Redeemer's Lutheran Church, since 1976. They've leased that land to the city for only a dollar a year. Fortunately, they've got some really big construction uh, challenges in their 1940s building. And after doing a lot of research and then looking at options, they determined early this spring that really the only way they can do the work that they need to do is to solve that garden. So we are uh, in full campaign, capital campaign mode, trying to raise about $1.8 million uh, to buy that land and to keep it a garden for the city of Seattle and for our community forever, to put you it know, into a permanent conservation easement.
0: Oh, I hope that and can I was,
1: happen. I, I, sorry, I was just thinking as you were talking about your uh, your lecture with the, the gentleman from Greater Dixter, you know that garden has been organic since 1976. I mean, can you imagine the pollinators, the oh biomass in there?
0: Yeah, all the pollinators, the birds, and and the open space for the people in Ballard and for all that's, of us. I mean, there's so little open space left in Seattle that's, now.
1: That's that's absolutely true. And you know, with the big Crown Hill upstone that starting to go on. That edges of that up zone are about three blocks from our garden. So we know that we're going to have literally thousands of people living in apartments, living in condos with no access to any garden space. And once our garden is gone, there's going to be no getting that that garden back.
0: Yeah, no, you'll never get it back if it goes. And uh, so I know a lot of people are working on trying to figure out how to get it back. And, And going to the annual Art in the Garden festivities on uh, August 3 is one way to help, for sure. And it's a lot of fun way to help. But there's more that people can do, huh?
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that I would ask people to do is really consider voting for the King County Parks Levy. It's on that August 6th ballot, and we have a really good chance of getting a substantial portion of the money that we need through that open space levy. So that would be, you know, a huge win for us to just get that levy passed, and then we can write a proposal and, and get that going through.
0: So that's, um, that's Proposition 1, right, on the ballot? Prop 1. Yeah, hey, vote you. for
1: that, yes, everybody. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, you know, we 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 do have a little social media campaign going, and we've raised about twenty five thousand dollars on it right now. Anybody wants to donate, just go to BallardTeaPatch find that support button, and it'll take you right there. Wow. Um, so I would say, absolutely, that like us on Facebook or Instagram or anything that you you're using it as social media because we're constantly doing small events and things that where you can churn up and, and help support us. Um, and I would just say, you know if anyone wants to write a really big check, we would love to talk
0: to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Well, I think yeah. what a
0: wonderful thing that would be to do to save that open space that that gardening for all those people. and I, I know exactly what you mean. So many people come to see the garden, just enjoy being in it, and uh, to to see that go away in the middle of hour, is just uh, it's heartbreaking to think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we kind of can't imagine it, and then we wake up in the middle of the night and just think, oh my gosh, you know, mm. what, what if? So oh. you know, I, I want to give some plugs for some additional things that happen in that garden. We have a group of volunteers that are both gardeners and just community neighbors who get together every Tuesday night, and we garden exclusively for the Ballard Food Bank. Uh And every year, we give about 1,500 pounds of organic produce to the Ballard Food Bank. So, you know, again, that would be a huge loss. Um, The garden is one of the designated emergency hubs for the city of Seattle, when the big one comes, that's a place to gather and be able to communicate and, and you know, get help and so on. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years ago, we made the garden completely ABA-accessible, and we did it with, like, 2,000 volunteer hours of just wow. going in, making the paths wide, putting in borders, putting in gravel, so that anybody can come and enjoy our garden.
0: Yeah. You know, it's... It's a wonderful, wonderful garden. It's really, it's absolutely critical that it remains in Ballard, where it's doing, you know, the people are doing so many great things, helping the food banks, just, uh, you know, adding to the insects and birds in the middle of the city. Yeah, we can't lose, we just cannot lose the Ballard Pea Patch, so. Oh,
1: thank you, Cisco. You know, something else that we learned as we started, you know, digging into how do we do this is we're not the only garden in the city of Seattle that has this issue. There's probably half a dozen other gardens that are on private land that are facing some kind of development potential in the next five years. So, you know, working with Grow, who you talked to a couple of weeks ago, we're also kind of taking our strategy a little bit bigger. Let's say Ballard first. But let's also, like, be a real thought incubator about how can we make sure that these smaller gardens, gardens in different parts of the city, can also stay viable so that Seattle is the beautiful, livable city that we all love.
0: Hey, I agree. It would be such a loss. Uh, Every time we lose a pea patch, it's a huge loss for the beauty and and friendliness and wonderfulness of living in Seattle. So, everybody vote for Prop 1. (laughs) And then I hope, like heck, they fork out lots of bucks to help the Ballard Pea Patch, and I think they will. And I know you're trying some other angles, too. So, uh, all we can do now is all contribute, vote for Prop 1, and let's see if we can save the Ballard Pea Patch. And go to that wonderful Art in the Garden.
1: (laughs) Yes. Come, come see us next Saturday at uh, 25th and 85th, and just enjoy a beautiful day in a beautiful garden.
0: If I can get by, I'm not sure if I can. But if I can, I will be there. We'd love to see you. Okay. Well, hey, I uh, thank you so much for coming on, Cindy. Cindy Krueger, and uh, she is like the Ballard Peapatch Leadership Chair. I'm not sure what that means, but you're doing a good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it means I'm trying to leave this group of people who are trying to save us. So oh, that's that's, the that's best. what we're doing. And uh, sure appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to all the garden lovers out there who yeah. love to listen to Cisco. So oh, thank you, thanks.
0: thank you, Cindy. All right, everybody, we'll do our best. We're going to save Ballard Bee Patch. All right, Cindy, thanks a lot for coming on. I'll see you again soon. Bye bye. Will thanks Cisco. Bye bye. Okay, hey, we're about to give you the news, so uh, Alec will be right back in here letting you know what's going on in the local community right after this on 97.3 Cairo FM. You're listening to
1: Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: Hey, welcome back. In a second, I'm going to you, Helen, so hang on. I appreciate your waiting so long. Just want to say uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you folks that were the uh, winning bidder on our little party we're going to have at the Fiddler Pub near my home. Every year I uh, offer a uh, an auction item, so uh, they auctioned off uh, me coming to the Fiddler and enjoying wine and beer and cheese and crackers. And all the money raised goes to help the food banks. So uh, this is a (laughs) win-win. Definitely a win-win for me, I'll tell you that much. So I'm looking forward to seeing you folks this afternoon. Okay, Helen in Maple Valley, let's go talk to you, see what's going on over there. Hi. Hi. Hey, thanks for waiting. I'm happy to talk to you. Cool. What you got going on?
2: Well, I've grown raspberries every year and had a great crop. This year, the leaves turned yellow and brown and have died. There were virtually no raspberries. I, I fertilized them, I treated them the same as every other year. It's happened to me, my neighbors next door, and three or four neighbors within a mile radius. And huh. I don't know what's wrong.
0: So you haven't seen any, like, orange spots on the bottom of the leaves or anything? Nothing, Okay. Then, then, it's kind of odd that all your neighbors have it the same year. I think you've got raspberry root rot. And um, raspberries, after they've been in the ground for a long, long time, and if they're not in a spot with the best drainage you've ever seen, Their roots start to rot out. And so if you get a really rainy spring like this has been, then they tend to be more susceptible to it. You know, if you get a really rainy winter, that contributes. And, you know, uh, raspberries are only supposed to last. When you buy them, they say they're good for eight years. Most people have them for 20. But sooner or later, these pathogens in the soil build up. And I have this bad feeling that you've got a root rot where you're growing your raspberries. And uh, most uh, it doesn't produce hardly any fruit when they get that. They start turning brown. Some of them die. And uh, the bad news about this, if that's what you got, and I'm pretty sure it is, the bad news is that you can't really uh, plant raspberries in that spot anymore. You're gonna to want to replace huh. them with a new bunch of raspberries. Now, having said that, my next door neighbor across the fence came over one day and he goes, "Hey, all my raspberries are dying. They're acting really weird." I went over, just what you described: leaves were turning yellow and brown. Any raspberries never ripened up or hardly any did. And and you know, I told him you got raspberry root rot for sure. And I said, "Yank them and." and you know, try a new spot for your raspberries. Well, he did that, but the raspberries came back where they were after he ripped them out. He missed a few of them. They were perfect. It lasted for another 10 years or more. And uh, so the only thing I could think is that there were some raspberries in there that were resistant and they grew back and they they didn't have the root rot and he ended up getting his raspberries in the same spot, but I can't guarantee that would happen for you, you know. Okay. So you might want nope. to go to com and check out all the different raspberries there are now, and you might just consider, you know, uh, making a nice new patch. A raised bed with really uh, well-drained soil works really great for raspberries. Okay. Yeah.
2: So take all these out and don't put them back in the same spot.
0: That's what I do. And and them. but you could grow other things there and that shouldn't affect them cuz that's a totally different problem S- specific just to raspberries. Okay. Yeah. You well, don't darn. sound you don't sound too happy there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got well, to say one it's of my favorite Oh, I love raspberries, you know, and uh, we had a big patch for years, but Mary took it away and put in uh, beautiful flowers in that spot. But, uh. Well, I thought
2: you'd say
0: Brussels sprouts. What, well, no, that's in our veggie garden, but we have to trade off every year who does the veggie garden. It's only 16 by 8 feet, and, uh, I always take it over for nothing but Brussels sprouts, so we finally had to trade off every year, so she gets to plant something she likes. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, Brussels sprouts will grow great where you had those raspberries. There you go. Well, maybe I'll try that. All right, that would be great. Well, sorry to give you such lousy news, but... uh,
2: well, it's something that's not good, and I I just don't see how they are even going to stay alive.
0: Yeah, they're probably it, it would only get worse. You're much better off, just, yeah. You know, trying trying in a new spot, and then I you shouldn't have any problem. I think they'll grow great for many many years.
2: Well, that's what I'm used to. So I guess it's uh, back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah, back to the drawing board, and Brussels sprouts in the raspberry patch, and life will be good.
2: <laughs> I'm all
0: in. All right. Hey, Helen, thanks so much for your call. Well,
2: thanks
0: for your help, Cisco. Appreciate it. Okay, bye bye. Goodbye. Bye. All right. Hey, I got a few minutes. Hey, we got open lines. So if anybody wants to call, that would be great. One triple eight uh nine seven uh one triple eight nine seven three five four seven six or one triple eight nine seven three Cairo. So uh, that would be wonderful, but uh, I've gotten a couple of emails that are pretty interesting, so I'll do one of those quick, and then just for a minute, and then maybe somebody will call in the next break. So uh, I got an email from Jan saying, uh, how far down can I prune my Choisia ternata Sundance? So Choisia ternata that's a really beautiful shrub. And Sundance is a bright yellow one, and they call them Mexican mock orange because the foliage, when you rub the foliage or when you prune, it smells. It has a citrus smell that is just magnificent, you know. I love it. And uh, the Sundance variety, choicest Sundance, uh, does best in morning sun it could take full sun but not in a baking hot spot and it just glows with this wonderful golden yellow glow that is so beautiful in your garden and they have white flowers that are pretty too so pretty darn cool plant how far can you cut it down well uh my wife had a really beautiful one in her border and uh She was asking me, she goes, how far down do you think I can cut this? It got really big, and it was just too tall for where it was covering everything up. And I said, I wouldn't do more than a third, no matter what. She cut the thing to like one foot from the ground, maybe even six inches from the ground. She did it in spring, though, right when new growth was starting. It would be too late to do this now, Jan. But next spring, so just wait. Next spring, I think you can honestly feel free to cut that thing down to six inches because Mary's came back spectacular. Now, this could kill it. I have to admit it. But if it does, don't blame me. Blame Mary because she's the one that I saw do it. It's all her fault. (laughs) So I'm really hoping but I'm 99% sure you could whack the livid tweedle out of that choice you Just make sure there's some leaves down there at the bottom. You know, don't cut the bare stems at the very bottom. That might not come back. And I, I'm i willing to bet it'll come back because Mary's did. And so you can uh, call the show and uh, tell everybody what a genius I am if it works. And you could say how bad uh, Mary is for... Uh, leading you in the wrong direction if it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Hey, listen, we got a couple of calls. We're going to take break. I'll get to as many as I can uh, after the break because that'll be the last section in the show. You're listening to the best radio show on the planet at 97.3 FM.
1: This is Gardening with Cisco on the all-new Cairo Radio Weekends.
0: Okay, Shirley zipped right in with a call. Hi, Shirley, and thanks for calling. Hey, I, hey, Sister. Hey, I, Shirley. Okay.
3: Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Go for it. Blue hydrangea,
1: and it's absolutely beautiful, but I want lots of starts from it. What do I do?
3: Now
1: is the time or now not?
0: Not quite yet, but it's really yeah, easy. Right. It is so easy to do hydrangeas. I know. Okay. Here is what I would do. Now you could take some cuts. You could you could cut a few branches that don't have flowers, and make them about oh you know at least eight inches long. Pull off the bottom leaves, stick them in water, and they'll and keep them in a shady spot in the kitchen or something, and they'll probably root. But an easier way that almost always works is in the fall, in September, cut off some nice-sized uh, branches, so, you know, I'd say 12 inches long, something like that, and pull off the bottom leaves so some of the nodes, and if you have to cut a longer branch, 16 inches, do it. Pull off some of the bottom leaves so those nodes are naked there, and uh, punch a nice deep hole in the ground, and stick it right in the ground. Uh, now, you want to do this right when the fall rains start to happen. And uh, so you stick them so that at least two nodes are underground in the soil. And then the rest is sticking up out of the ground with the leaves on it. and everything. You don't want a flower on top. And then uh, you just make sure those... Don't dry out. So if something happened and the rains don't come after you thought they were gonna, you're gonna have to water that spot now and then, because otherwise they could dry up and then the leaves would just fall off and that's the end of the road. Almost always they root over the winter time, and now the big question is when do you pull them out? So usually what I do is I tug them a little in the spring, and if they feel and and they start growing. Then, you know, I bet I could dig that out and move it to a new spot or pot it up, whatever you want to do. That works almost every time. But it's got to be kind of a shady, moist spot where you stick those starts in.
1: I can do that. I can do that. It's a September. I I was confused about now or later. Later.
0: Yeah, later's later better. is better. Right. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, thank you, and you are a genius. Oh la la! Well, I humbly you admit it. Right every time I listen to you, faithfully. Well, I just hope these starts grow. Now I hate to have you not still believe yeah, I'm a genius. We don't let a goof around. <laughs> Surely <laughs> you're the you best. Around. You're the best. Thank you so thank you. much. Thanks for calling. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Goodbye.
0: Bye. All right, well, quick go to Janet and Everett. Uh, Janet, I only have a few minutes, but I think I'll have enough to answer your questions. I hope so. Welcome.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Okay, it seems like every time I call you, I'm I'm giving you my problem, children. Okay, <laughs> the first one, I have just two things. that'll be real quick. The first one is a cordellus. Are you familiar with the little shade plant called oh, cordellus? Oh, yeah,
0: Crittalus is what I call it. But, yeah. What do you
3: call it? What do
0: Crittalus. You call it? Critalis. Oh,
3: okay. With, at, with at, the little blue flowers. Yeah, it's okay, in the it's in it? the
0: poppy family.
3: Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why can't I grow it? I put it in the ground in the shade where it belongs, and I I feed it and I water it, and it piddles out and dies.
0: Ah, huh. I. It might be. Is it? Uh, is it pretty dry where you're planting it, or could it be well, you have clay soil? I
3: water You know, it's dry, but I water it. I I don't let it get dry. I water it.
0: You don't have clay soil, do you? No. No. And I have a lot of compost in it, too. Huh. No, it should be. It's easy to grow that. You might be trying to grow one of the more difficult varieties. Oh. There's one. That could be. I can't remember what it's called, but it has dark leaves. I think it's called dark leaf. Critolis. Yeah, it does have dark dark. leaf. Yeah, Yeah, try that one. That one is so easy to grow. It's unbelievable.
3: Okay. Hey, and here's a trick.
0: Here's a trick about those. After they're done blooming, you should cut them down to one-eighth inch from the ground. Fertilize them. Oh, really? Yeah, keep them watered. They get really bad powdery mildew if you leave the foliage. So it's much better to cut them down, let them grow back. Then the foliage looks beautiful.
3: Okay. All right. Now the other question is why can't I grow basil?
0: Huh? Why are you growing them in full sun?
3: Full sun. I have them in nice soil that I tenderly tend to, and it just mm. and I cut. You know, I trim them like they say, and. mm -mm.
0: When do you plant your basil?
3: June first.
0: I'm very careful about that. So you're careful; it's not too cold. You know, Uh -uh. there's got so. If that soil's good, I can't figure out why a basil wouldn't grow for you in full sun. Because they just thrive right. once you get that full sun going in warm temperatures. Is it in good like full it. sun? Yeah,
3: all day, sun all day. It's at my pea patch here in Everett, and, and
0: then we get got sun all day. Well, y- you must not have any Italian in you. That's got to be what it is. I Only Italians Italian. can grow good basil. Hey! hey. Hey, I'm half Italian. Oh la and my la! My mama is
3: Italian.
0: Oh my gosh! What? Hey, this is terrible because an Italian I'm, has to be able to grow basil, no matter what.
3: Wouldn't
0: you think? I, I would. Cook,
3: I can make good pesto.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> what? How about trying it in a pot? Then we can see if there's something wrong with your soil. All
3: right. Okay.
0: Big we'll pot. Do. Big pot. Put big a pot. Okay. Put a bunch of them in there. And, you know, you don't need to over-fertilize. A little bit of organic fertilizer is good, but you don't want to overdo it with the fertilizer. Just keep okay. them, you know, make sure they don't dry out, especially in that pot like that. And then I think yeah. everything will be perfect. Okay. All right. You got to let right. me know if that works. Yeah, no. Hey, it's not too late to buy some and plant it now in a pot.
3: Really?
0: I could yeah. I'll try it. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Please. And no, make I sure can't. make sure you talk Italian to it. That's very important.
3: I'll do my best. All right. I'll do
0: my best. Take hey, care. Janet. <laughs> Good luck. Thanks for the call. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, I want to thank Andrew. You did a great job today. This show just flowed like the wind here. And uh, I appreciate all your calls. I so much appreciate your listening. Hey, get out there, take your puppy for a walk, and don't forget to eat your Brussels sprouts. We'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye.